Welcome to Technovation. Today's broadcast comes from a recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. It's a conversation on technology leaders with a growth mindset featuring Shalene Diogan, the Chief Information Officer of Schneider National, and Atif Rafiq, who until just before this session was the President of Customers, Commercial and Growth, MGM Resorts International. He's since started an entrepreneurial venture. The gentleman who led the conversation was MetaStrategy's Head of West Coast Operations, Chris Davis, who joins me now. Chris, great to see you. Likewise, Peter. Well, Chris, uh, as I just mentioned, the topic that you covered with these two executives was technology leaders with a growth mindset. Why did you choose this as a topic to feature at our digital symposium? Well, I think if COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's that digital transformation has accelerated. And whether that was true before or after uh, much of the pandemic unfolded, technology leaders are more and more looked to within their companies as sources of growth. How do we improve our customer experience? How do we derive new sources of revenue? And how do we transition from our, our traditional business models to data and information-driven companies and offerings? Why these two gentlemen, Chris? How, why did you, did, did you think that Shalene and Atif personify this topic so well? What you might not notice on face value is there's a hotel and gaming company on the one hand and a, a shipping company on the other but they both operate in expiring inventory. A hotel bed that gets unused or a game unplayed, a shipping container that's not completely full, these are assets, opportunities to monetize revenue uh, that if they aren't seized are lost forever. And so there's a certain urgency behind both business models. There's also a massive amount of complexity, bringing many people to the same physical place connecting people across the world from a digital gaming perspective, connecting complex supply chains across shipping. Much of technology is at the core of simplifying this complexity so that you get to a business model that creates stickiness. How do you build relationships? How do you improve relationships? And how do you start to capture higher profit margins as you build this digital forward brand that helps the company grow, scale, and I'll compete others. Thanks, Chris. And now for a word from our partner, Aptio. Sales teams have CRM systems. Human resources leverage HRM systems. What about the CIO who needs to evolve from a technology expert to a business strategist? In this digital first world, CIOs and their CFO counterparts must ensure technology decisions are made to deliver business value. It's easier said than done. That's why Aptio, the market leader in technology business management, is committed to helping companies manage, plan, and optimize their technology spend. After all, champions of change need actionable insights they can trust. Learn more at aptio.com. And now for a word from our partner, Tanium, and the company's co-founder and chief executive officer, Orion Hindawi. Orion wanted to take a moment to provide some recommendations for CXOs in charge of technology and digital about how best to manage the cybersecurity landscape. Yeah, so our customers, I think, are realizing there are three things that they really need to be secure. The first is they have way too many products. And as a result of that, 
they're unable to operate all these products well, and there are holes in their security posture that are created as a result. Many of our customers have 20 or 30 or sometimes 50 different tools. And if they can move to a platform approach, they have a much higher chance of succeeding. The second thing that a lot of our customers are realizing is they need certain visibility on their environment. Every asset where it is, who's using it, what data's on it, what vulnerabilities it has, and to really be able to trust that they have three or four nines confidence in that data set instead of, in some cases, 85 or 90% confidence, which in reality leaves way, way too much of a surface area of vulnerability. And the third one is they need to be able to remediate problems they find instantaneously at scale, globally, even over slow links, even over devices that are not easy to reach. Because without that capability, unfortunately, even if you know that there's a problem, you're still going to get hit by the security event that comes after it because you can't fix it in time. And so between that platform approach, being able to have really, really comprehensive visibility and having really strong control, our customers are seeing a huge upgrade in their capability. Well, without further ado, let's get to our conversation. Technology leaders with a growth mindset featuring Shalene Diogan, the Chief Information Officer of Schneider National, and Adif Rafiq, the President of Customers Commercial and Growth, MGM Resorts International, in conversation with Chris Davis. So, Shalene, I want to start with you. Uh, you've been tapped to think about new growth opportunities for your company, uh, freight power being one of the most notable ones. And I'm wondering if you can share, why did Schneider look to you, uh, someone as a technology leader, to drive strategic planning and to help identify new sources of growth? Uh, so thank you, Chris, and good afternoon. Uh, it's good to meet everybody. Um, um, Atif, good to uh, meet you. Uh, I'm sure it's my loss having uh, not made the connection before, but I'm happy to do that today. So, uh, you know, uh, getting back to the conversation, just a little bit of uh, context and who Schneider, you know, all of us, hopefully all of you have seen our orange trucks fly our highways. Uh, we're 85 years old, quintessential American success story, man, post-depression, fourth grade education, sells his family car to buy a truck. And that today is Schneider. So one, one of the things about Schneider, incidentally, that attracted me to the company, my entry into the company was sort of non-traditional for this industry and for Schneider specifically. I came in as a consultant about 12 years ago, uh, trying to disrupt transportation at that point by creating the first uh, successful transportation exchange where you could basically define a standard unit of trade um, with this non-fungible product called transportation and then trade, uh, uh, you know, be able to sell that like we've seen with energy futures. So that was my first sort of exposure to Schneider. I was, you know, amazed at this company in Green Bay. Um, you know, you fly into Green Bay, you see more farm animals than people, seriously. And then when you walk into the doors of Schneider and you saw this company that was doing um, algorithmic platforms, uh, you know, before it was cool to talk about big data. I mean, they, they were deriving engine messages using that IoT information without calling it IoT information to make operational decisions across the value chain. So um, Schneider historically has uh, you know, a, a reputation in the industry to lead the industry and it has in pragmatic sort of tech-led innovation. So that's always been the case. Um, just generally in terms of just overall growing business leaders, Schneider also has a, a reputation of growing business leaders out of tech. The CEO that hired me um, came out of engineering and tech. So, um, you know, it's, it's sort of part of the DNA. And, uh, you know, starting from my first gig as a consultant, uh, trying to create that exchange, which again was uh, 
probably ahead of its time. It didn't work. Um, you know, people are starting to talk about it again, but it's interesting to see the, you know, what you could do now with that idea 10 years down the road. But that's integral to how we go to market. You know, we, we're, we're always looking to disrupt ourselves, whether it's through, you know, creating the first two-way satellite, uh, uh, you know, uh, communication in the truck, whether it's launching the first completed end-to-end code-to-cash platform, using decision science to make decisions. So it, it's sort of integral. So it's easy and, and you know, it, it's easy to be attracted to a company that sort of celebrates that. And that was part of my story um, at Schneider and has remained so. Yeah, that's great, Shalene. Thank you for sharing that. And Asif, if I want to turn to you, so as, as we look at the history of your roles, whether it's at McDonald's, uh, Volvo, and, and most recently MGM, you've made a bit of a habit of, as I think you put it, trying to get old large companies to think and act like Amazon. And uh, I'm curious if you can share some insights of what's the process you've had to apply when trying to explore new avenues for growth, new sources of innovation uh, in established companies with the legacy uh, that, that the, the name brands that both you and Shalene share on your resumes? I think it's a, a very interesting question. Um, you know, there's a lot of facets to it. I mean, maybe let's start with where you spearhead this kind of growth agenda in the company. Um, and so in general, I think what you need is to center it with, you know, a working team, uh, which consists of people who are very creative, but also able to deep dive into the realities. Um, and through that process, you generally serve as many unknowns and it becomes quite overwhelming actually. And that's why companies get stuck. Uh, but you need a, a people who are comfortable with those unknowns and they're able to work through them and start to create some clarity. Um, so in a lot of ways, what you're doing, I think uh, the first step is really to shred down mentally, you know, not physically, what the business is today and build it back in our heads, reimagine it, if, if you will, uh, in terms of how its purpose would be expressed in today's environment. Because of course, Schneider's been around a long time. Volvo's been around for 90 years, McDonald's 60 years, um, and, and things have changed, but that needs to be unpacked. And so really trying to um, come up with a concept that of what your business is all about, that's future-proof, and then build a path to that, that's sort of the first step. And I think once you have that, and, and let's just call that a clear vision, how do you go about it? What I've found has worked well is making it using familiar language for your organization because one person or a, a team cannot really move a whole company. You need the whole company in some ways to contribute. So I've found that speaking in familiar language that connects the longstanding purpose of the company is a good place to start. So just to give an example, when you think about McDonald's, really in my mind, McDonald's is about taste, value, and convenience. And when we think about digitization, that can really help on, on the aspect of reimagining convenience uh, and making that something the company owns once again, because uh, that has been redefined. Um, and then also using familiar language in terms of what you're gonna do about it. So we could talk about digital experiences, but in a company like McDonald's, better to call it a service model and say there are two or three ways to use McDonald's historically. What if we added one or two more? Wouldn't that be powerful? And this begins to then make um, the concepts very familiar and, and different parts of the organization can begin to contribute to a common understanding of where we're headed. Yeah, that's great. And Charlene, I think you've, you've done that in many ways because I've heard you talk about Schneider as an information company. 
it's not necessarily obvious when you see the big the big orange trucks that that would be the thing. But you've you've highlighted a number of cases where the company was already innovative before you've joined, and as you've approached uh, COVID in both cases, whether it was MGM or or um, with Schneider, you had to make certain big bets. Uh, agility doesn't come overnight necessarily. In some cases, it's establishing platform investments that create a foundation for agility and allow you to to respond. So, Shalene, I'm wondering if you can maybe share some examples where uh, whether it's making sure that everything is contactless for the driver so he or she doesn't have to leave the cab or uh, starting to uh, roll out new new matchmaking capabilities for, for the driver and shippers. Can you just share some examples where you had to make some bets but in re-envisioning what the company is, you were able to, to respond and adapt quickly to, to the changing landscape with COVID. Uh, sure, Chris. You know, I, I'll take that question in sort of two, two segments, if you will. Uh, I, you know, we're a data-intensive company. I mean, just for those of, you know, we're deriving about five terabytes of data from our moving assets. So think about tractors, trailers, tractors, driver variables, fuel sensors, engine data, so our, our whole company, which is a network-based company, are one of the largest networks in the uh, over-the-road networks in the country comes together every day and a half with IoT data that's derived from our moving assets, right? That's always been the case. And our success, right? We, we uh, you know, when we went uh, public about three years ago, uh, our investment thesis was rooted in, hey, we're the money ball of trucking. It's about getting to on-base percentage. It's not about the one load, it's about the team. And that's what we do, right? I mean, that's our core operating platform is to be able to maximize yield by making the right decisions. We're a decision science company, really, right? Uh, masquerading as a, a trucking company, I'd like to say. Um, so some of those things never change. What we've done over the last two or three years, Chris, is just, you know, we're a capital intensive and people intensive business, right? As transportation, two of the easiest things to add to this business, people and capital, do the hardest things to take out, people and capital. So one of the things that we've done without any knowledge of this you know, upcoming pandemic or anything was, hey, how do we define automation across our value chain? Uh, a, rooted in simplification, let's eliminate work. Let's move the human uh, to a higher place in the value chain and use tech to do the commodity tasks, right? So those have been sort of efforts that have been underway. Now we've had, we've had a lot of success but we've also have challenges across our ecosystem. We've had challenges with our drivers in the cab when we're presenting themselves service options saying, hey, you just want to, you don't want to talk to me. No, we do want to talk to you, but we want to have you focus on driving. And we want to use technology to be able to go create the seamless and frictionless experience that you have with the company. Same thing with our customers on the demand facing side of the house. And we've had sort of challenges. Hey, what do you mean you're not going to, uh, the driver's not going to walk into my building and hand me over a bill of lading or something. That's how we've always done. It's going to be, there's going to be mistakes if you don't do that. Our fate's going to get lost. So all those things have been sort of challenges that we had been working through. And what the pandemic has done is really, it's such a sort of equalizer, if you will. We're all in the same sort of uh, uh, sort of team now. And we've seen, we've made pro more progress in the last eight months around pushing some of those uh, sort of initiatives around friction, frictionless um, automation in yards that we've had not had success or we've had limited success for the previous two years before that. So, um, you know, now it's expected that when a driver pulls up to a yard, you're not going to get out. We don't want a driver to get out. We want to say them in the sanitized sort of, uh, you know, cab. 
So there's, uh, you know, we built the telematics platform, state-of-the-art telematics platform that actually now is a, uh, is a company called Platform Science um, uh, that's doing business uh, that Daimler just actually took a pretty large stake in. We're now le leveraging those platforms to create customer-specific workflows that incorporate no touch, going into a yard, recognizing where the load is, where the trailer needs to be parked. All of that is happening no touch. Now, the technology existed, but the adoption was an issue. And what the right. pandemic has done is taken those sort of uh, obstruction bombs out of the way. And we're seeing this uh, rapid move towards adoption, which, which, which has been surprising and welcome. Yeah. And Shalene, I think just to build on that a little further. So obviously with, with Schneider and Atif, uh, in your experience with Volvo, you, you're both familiar with advanced vehicles and the need to accelerate out of the turn. And so uh, Atif, I, I want to turn it back to you. So as you think about leaders and th this healthy tension between long-term bets, but also near-term responsiveness. At MGM, uh, you employed a number of creative tactics, uh, Viva La Office, uh, among others, which uh, you're welcome to, to talk a little bit about. But how should leaders be thinking about accelerating out of this term, where there still might be some softness in certain markets, but we don't want to be caught flat-footed when things start to, to truly accelerate? Can you, can you share maybe a mental model how you, you were thinking about it at MGM? Well, I think a common mental model in enterprises is this idea of horizons, horizon one, two, three, where uh, horizon one is where, where essentially the further out you go, the more in the future the opportunity is. So it's a timing issue, but along with that, a lot more ambiguity, but also where the growth lies. Um, and I think uh, for a lot of companies, horizon two has become horizon one. So my advice would be get used to unknowns and so on um, and change change how you work. Embrace business agility, empower people who are comfortable figuring out amb ambiguous problems and obsess over these Horizon 2 initiatives because the things in your day-to-day -day that are past expiration date, you know, COVID really accelerated those things. And so what will fill the gap? Um, and so really... What I find when I step out of you know one company and look across uh, different organizations, I find the very top leaders of the company uh, obsessing over these horizon twos because those are essentially going to become very core to the business model, you know, so sooner than we think. And I don't want to lose the chance with with people with uh, unique purviews to to think about uh, a horizon that maybe at the horizon two, maybe it's horizon three. But I want to ask both of you. Um, where you see autonomous vehicles going? Because Atif, you, you with Volvo and Shalene, no doubt in the uh, trucking space, this has to be on the, the plan. Um, but what are your predictions uh, uh, as, as you see the potential and opportunities with some more in the consumer space, some more in the commercial space? And Shalene, maybe I'll start with you. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so incidentally, uh, uh, we just announced a strategic relationship with Too Simple about two days ago. Um, so we're, we're joining uh, Too Simple strategic board. So we, we've been in conversations. We're doing, uh, we're obviously, you know, in conversation with others. Um, you know, Waymo, we're working very closely with Daimler and their, uh, uh, you know, torque. So we believe that the technology holds great promise. I will tell you that there are, I mean, if you look at levels of automation, we have, Automation today. I mean, um, you know, uh, Atif worked at Volvo, which I believe they've been a leader in in this space. In fact, um, uh, I, I believe they're commercializing some of their technology to some of the players in the U.S. and they have been for years. 
um, whether by plan or just with folks moving back and forth. The fact that, hey, is there going to be a time where there's no one in the cab? You know, if you leave that aside, because we can all argue about whether that's five years away or 15 years away, I think the industry is gradually moving to that sort of space. I will tell you that there are components of our value chain today. If you were to go to an intermodal, intermodal station in Chicago, for example, you'd see level four automation in play, right? Well, one right. of the things we're doing, we're piloting uh, with uh, one of our national universities is an autonomous uh, yard where we're, we're taking people out and we're using, uh, uh, you know, uh, robotic, uh, uh, you know, uh, sensor-based jockeys to go park trailers, um, uh, you know, back and forth. So there are components, I think, um, as you look at intermodal uh, within uh, uh, the space, you're going to see automation hit a lot sooner. Um, as it relates to uh, sort of the core over the road, I think there's going to be a lot of factors, right? Uh, investments, do we have the infrastructure? How much, um, you know, depending on who's in the White House and which there's going to be a lot of pieces that go into how soon you're going to have autonomous lanes where you can start seeing. Right. But we do see rapid sort of progress in the next five years. And I'll tell you this, as a consumer of some of these vehicles, one of the things we celebrate is our trucks today are a lot safer because of the research that's gone into you know, uh, uh, autonomous and all of those things related. I think it's, it's a win-win across the sort of spectrum um, and, and we welcome it. Um, now, whether, you know, when, the, when we're talking about driverless, we don't think that's in the near future, but we think autonomous, is, we're, we're on that path already. Yeah, I agree with Shalene. I think he hit it on the, the nail on the head. It's really two camps. I mean, there are some use cases which are in controlled environments. I really love the one that you mentioned, Shalene, because that is absolutely doable. The technology is there and you can control a lot of the, the factors. And so that makes a lot of sense for us to see soon. And the business case is tremendous, certainly in trucking and commercial environments like fleets for delivery, retail, et cetera. Right. So I'm pretty optimistic about that. That being said, we I think we all know that this has been through the hype cycle and it's kind of on the downward slope of the, the peak of the hype. And um, and so now it's like, okay, when is this actually going to happen for consumers? And, um, you know, that could be a number of years, probably five, six years away from a reality. But I think it will happen. I mean, the product roadmaps for companies like Volvo, BMW, and others, you know, with LiDAR and sensor fusion, you know, those are very real. Um, it's just that there's lead time. Um, and then the, the X factors are adoption, infrastructure, um, that, that kind of came up. So, you know, right. I, I think on the consumer side, it's further, probably further out than everyone right. thought, let's say two years ago. Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing those perspectives. So the takeaways for, for me are in order to have a growth mindset, uh, rethink your company and what the essence of it is, uh, put information and data at the center and make sure that you're infusing that innovation throughout the company. Think about multiple horizons, platform thinking to enable agility. So thank you, Shalene and Atif.